This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, in studio with Mike Craven. Mike, what's up, man? Doing pretty good. How are y'all doing? I am doing pretty well. We are almost, almost done with this damn magazine. So we are. <laughs> we are. We're literally in the phase where we're not adding anything new, which I love. It's just yeah. a reading. ton of reading. Eyes get glazed over. You start to hate the idea of reading ever. You may you say, like, I'm never going to read an article or a book again after you put this thing to bed. But... I prefer this over the sleepless nights of crap. I got to write like 3000 words. You know, this has been such a illuminating experience for me. Like yeah. I knew it was going to be a learning curve and I love those like sure. doing something different. Like I was very excited to kind of tackle this project and see what was true of what I thought it was going to be and mm. what wasn't true. I honestly thought this week I was going to be scrambling with the transfer portal and the depth charts mm. and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. The thing that's been getting me mm. is predicted finishes. Uh -huh, yeah. When I've been yeah, going yeah. back and like looking at like, okay, I, what did I do for the Big 12, the SEC, yeah. the Big 10 even, Pac-12? Like, you know, it was like, okay, who did I pick and how much has that changed? Mm -hmm. The top 25. I texted oh, Tepper yeah. yesterday and was like, I'm sending you a new top 25. <laughs> I can't. Like a month ago, you know, it's so old. And so that's what I'm worried about in terms of like the magazine, not necessarily depth chart because that feels sure. like it's easy to explain. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, that kid wasn't on campus yet or – you know, he didn't, he wasn't an expected starter. I couldn't mm -hmm. just make him a starter. But like, if I pick like, say the team that wins the national championship, I have is like 14th. Sure. Or the team that wins the big 12, I have like six, like I'd be mortified. <laughs> so like, that's, that's the part where I've been most struggling. Like, do I put A&M in the top five? Sure. Like, ah, I don't know if I should. Do you, you want to be the guy that picks them first or, you right. know, like, uh, right. or like, do you not want to take that chance and just. <laughs> and like, how much do I go on my own personal belief? Mm -hmm. How much do I look at other top 25s and mm -hmm. try to like be similar to that? Are you predicting what the top 25 best teams are? Right. What they should be in week one, what you think they should be at the end of the season. Sure, sure. Right. Like I think Utah is better than Notre Dame. But mm -hmm. I think Notre Dame has a better shot of reaching the college football playoffs. So do I put Notre Dame in front of Utah? Mm. Because I think that they may yep. end up at the end of the year with a better record. Right. Or do I rank it as in terms of like Heading here? into the year. Right. Yeah. And so it's just all of those type of things. It's like, okay, I'm going to hate this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to, there's going to be one or two. Right. Maybe even more. So I'm like, oh my God, that's embarrassing. Right. Which criticism do you prefer more? And when you're, when you're setting your top 25, do you prefer like, if you're going off of another top 25, like the, oh, you're just copying, you know, so-and-so's top 25, or do you prefer the criticism of that doesn't match any top 25? Right. That's, you know what that's I mean? The, that, I mean, I think A&M is the perfect one for me, sure. yeah. honestly, and it's in-state, so we can use that as the example. I look around at all these polls, and they all have A&M in the top six, mm. Mm -hmm. and I just don't see it. Yeah. I can year. see them being in the mm -hmm. top six by the end of the year and right, surprising exactly. us but and being 10 and 2 and maybe losing to Alabama and one other team and being right. worthy of that. But right now, I don't see it. After mm -hmm. that spring, 
you're counting on a lot of what ifs. Mm -hmm. That defensive class being really good, those 2022 guys making an immediate impact, somebody figuring out at quarterback, Evan Stewart being an Xavier Worthy type true freshman wide receiver. Like, there's a lot of things we're like betting on the come with A and M that I can't put it there. I've, I've like, I my, the thing I landed on was I'm going to make the top 25 of what I think today. Mm. not in December, like what I think is like the best 25 teams in week one of the season. Sure. And maybe that'll burn me. Maybe next year I'll have a different answer. But I, I think that's the only way I could do it right now because project just feels like it's almost impossible Sure. to go like, yeah, A&M will eventually be one of the top six. Because I do think in November they may be playing Definitely. like one of the top six. You know, like Connor Wigman emerges and figures it out. And mm. like by November, A&M's clicking and just humming and one of the best teams in the day. But I also can see them losing four games. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's just too many question marks right yeah. now. Yeah, too many questions. Yeah, exactly. Not enough, exp- not enough like immediate experience. Exactly. Right now. I, um, I watched them lose four games last year while beating Alabama. Yeah. Right. I was about. Yeah. To, I was about to say like I think we talked about this in the office where you know we talked about Max Johnson right at quarterback and it's like Max Johnson they probably win ten games with Max Johnson last year right mm-hmm. he's a quarterback who was ready for last year um, when they just needed somebody to not give you the ups and downs as that Calzada did just like a, a six or seven out of 10 basically. And this year they need somebody, they need, they need a hero, right? They need mm-hmm. like the Connor Wigman to be the guy. Right. They don't need a Max Johnson, a steady hand necessarily. They're mm-hmm. not, they're not there. They need somebody to elevate talent around them, which probably isn't Max Johnson. And I know that 2022 defensive line class mm-hmm. is like super legit. Yeah. I get that before what I'm about to say, Right. but they lost their, Six out of their top seven players in their front seven. You can't tell All me. Going to the like I know Walter <laughs> Nolan is really, really good. Yeah. But is he going to be as good as Demarvin Leal was last year? Right. Like this year. Michael like, Clemens. Like maybe in three years he's better than those guys. Yep. But like in October of 2022, are those true freshmen that are walking onto College Station's campus in like a week? Yeah. Are they going to be better than those dudes that you just lost? Are they better than Jaden Peavy? Like I don't know if that's true. Um, and so for me, it's just hard to really like bet on A and M. It's easier to bet on teams like a Houston, or you know, right. like, that you kind of know. Complete, you, yeah, you, you kind of, you know, maybe it ends up being wrong too, right? Because Clayton Toon gets injured in week one, and right. it all goes away. Or but you just feel more comfortable as mm-hmm. uh, as comfortable as you can get predicting the future yeah. with like those kind of programs. Yep, I agree. Um, so this week we do continue our interview series. We have uh, Texas A&M Commerce head coach David Bailiff on. Uh, Again, another one of our favorite personalities mm-hmm. in the state. Kind of one of the, the I guess, almost grandfathers of like this yeah. generation of Texas yeah. football. We uh, talked about it last week. He's like the Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Of Texas. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's college within. Football. Yeah. Everybody's within a certain arm's reach of David Bailiff with somewhere throughout their career or some program or whatever he he uh, kind of uh, touched in some way. So we'll be talking with him. Uh, it'll be a very short show. No headlines this week because if you heard our special uh, episode that dropped uh, uh, later last week, um, later in the week. You saw that we had a lot to talk about with Jimbo <laughs> Fisher and Nick Saban. Um, so, yeah, thanks to um, Greg and them for having us on for TFT and simulcasting the the, the the podcast drop on both feeds. So you got to hear a little bit of that um, because, yeah, that was a lot. But in the spirit of that, you may have seen an article come out uh, recently on Texas football. I believe this week. Monday. Was it Monday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday from our very own Mike Craven. Uh, he came to us with this idea kind of just like off the top of his head. He was like, Jimbo Fisher and this Nick Saban thing was very pro wrestling. What if I just compared every coach to a pro wrestler? <laughs> and he gave me a piece of paper before he wrote the article here about all the names that were kind of on there. And that was the most fun I think I've had, like <laughs> coming up with like an analysis regarding each name. So if you haven't seen it, 
yes, Mike Craven did uh, compare all 12 FBS head coaches to their wrestling counterparts. WWE, you, know, you can go classic. We did AEW, all that stuff. So we're going to talk about that today because honestly, it's there's nothing. It's interesting. We, we can't keep hammering. <laughs> it's the off season. <laughs> as much as we would love to keep hammering the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher thing, they probably have found that the waters are kind of calm now. Mm-hmm. They said their piece, and we'll see what happens uh, from here on out. Um, but also, there's a lot to talk about with this piece. I love this piece. I love the fact that I think when I see a lot of these kind of pieces, when they compare any coach or players, whatever, to anything outside of their sport or their field, I feel like there's like a, I don't know. I, I, I used to get it all the time when like, it was like, oh, pick your soccer team based on your favorite right. NFL team or whatever. Right. There's like certain comparisons that work and you're like, oh, that one kind of works. And then the rest are just kind of, eh, that makes sense. Like what's one of them? Liverpool and Green Bay always get compared together. Right. The traditionally the historically rich. Cowboys. And all that. Yeah, exactly. This one. We, we, we basically, and I want, I want to, uh, obviously I want to bring Mike in on this because we basically kind of came up with like persona as far as like, obviously when you, when you look at a wrestler and you see what they're about. So we, we, we compared to persona, we compared career and we took into account kind of, uh, I guess a tech, technical, technical or technique as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in my opinion, that's, I think those are the three biggest things obviously you have like certain things that may sway more with certain wrestlers we'll get into the list but um those are the three big things where i was like okay this guy makes sense for this guy because of these three things i just wanted it to be one of those like as soon as you heard it you were like yeah mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. i just wanted you, know, you like, get that real is it oh right, that yes. works you know where that you're works. reading it and you're like yeah who would be dana holgerson's like doppelganger as a wrestler like roddy piper of yeah. course like yes <laughs> that's a great one you know and yep. so like i wanted that and I really, I was watching AEW on mm-hmm. Friday night, you know, unwinding from like the thousand pages of editing right. we've all had to do and was like, okay, if Seth Luttrell was a wrestler, he'd be Kurt Angle. Yeah. Uh-huh. What about everybody else? Like yep. who would Jimbo be? Cause right. like, I was thinking about the Saban Jimbo thing. It's like, who is Jimbo? And that right. was kind of the genesis of it. Like Luttrell feel, felt like a lock. Like I had always in my head made that comparison mm-hmm. between Luttrell and Angle, you know, like, and it was like, okay. Real wrestler, real wrestler. We got one. Well, maybe we can do all 12 of these things. And I went into Slack and was like, hey, guys, tell me if this is a stupid idea before I spend the (laughs) rest of my weekend (laughs) treating this like an NFL draft prep. You know, because it really I did really I probably sat there like a fantasy football draft prep. You know, like Mm -hmm. I had sheets of paper out like, you know, I'd put like five wrestlers down next to each name and like, okay, this one doesn't work because of this This one, I bounced it off you. Mm -hmm. I bounced off my friend Joe Cook, who's also a big wrestling fan. And so uh, I, I honestly, I, I joked with Tepper about it. It's the most fun I've had since I, <laughs> since I got this job. You know, like it was, it was a lot of fun because, like, I mean, I, I, I'd say my three favorite things, right, was, are college football, wrestling, here. and rap music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and like this allowed me to do like two out of those three things. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to do this in September. Sure. I was about to say you're stuck. And frankly, I wouldn't have been able to do this at the newspaper. Sure. Right? Like, it was was one of those, like, it came into my head, and I was like, well, I can't do that. I can do that. (laughs) I'm here now. Yeah, like, I can do that. Like, Greg Tepper's my boss. I can. (laughs) I can do that. This is He's totally going to like this, you know? And so, uh, and like you, I'd always seen those, like, as 
what's your favorite team as a cartoon character? Right, or right. what's your yep. favorite, right. you know, like, if you like this movie, you'll love the, you know, and it's like, okay, I'll do something along those lines, but it's like for like. It's yes. like person for person. Yep. And we can we can figure this thing out. The hardest part was not being offensive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want to be mean because right. it wasn't a mean-spirited sure. thing. And I didn't want anybody to read it and go like, oh, he made this guy a heel or right. he made this guy a bad guy or he mm-hmm. must not like so-and-so. Or, right. Uh, you know, I made Sonny Dykes, Randy Orton. Right. Well, like he can be known as a guy who stabs people in the back. Randy right. Orton is it's like, are you are you calling Sonny the you know right. or whatever? And so that was my. It's like I love Sonny Dykes. So sure. what I, and so that was that was what uh, I was worried about. But I can report uh, that every coach I've heard from. Love the idea. <laughs> That's good. That's and good. I'm hoping that it, <laughs> the ones I haven't heard from doesn't mean that they, they didn't like it. They just haven't seen it. Right. <laughs> they, yeah. it they just are too busy and important people who yes. like, just right. did not see it. Yes. So you said Seth Luttrell was probably the easiest one for yeah, you to as compare. Soon as, I, as soon as the idea popped in my head of like wrestlers as head coaches, Luttrell, Kurt Angle felt like the jumping off point. Like If I'm talking to Ish, I could go like, I'm making Latrell angle, uh-huh. and he knows what I'm trying to put what together at that point. Like, like Latrell, like they're both kind of serious people who were like wrestle, like they were like legit wrestlers. Yeah. Right. So like that's a a personality piece that like, and now we just need to find eleven more where there's a connector that way. It may not be wrestling, you know, or like something uh-huh. like there's got to be like one thing in their personality where it's like yes, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. duh. Who yeah. was the most difficult? Oh man. Probably like Dimmel, Dana Dimmel, yeah. right? Yeah, you know. I was, I was um, gonna say just because we don't know him as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like out in El Paso. He doesn't do as many like public speaking type things. You don't see him in front of cameras as much. Mm-hmm. So it was like trying to find a, because wrestling is so extra. Mm-hmm. Like uh-huh. wrestling is like on and, and Dimmel's, Dimmel's kind of, the opposite. He's yeah, just like a <laughs> he's, nor- he's just like a normal dude. Yeah, you yeah. Know? He's just like he's which just I a think, normal guy. Which I think is why the Dusty Rhodes comparison works. Right, because like. Yes, Dusty Rhodes was, Son, was flashy Plummer. in his way. Yes, yeah, exactly. He's a he's his whole thing was his gimmick was that he was just I mean, he's the American dream, right? Yeah. He is mm-hmm. literally is up from the dirt, you know, yeah. into being a hero, into being the the, the good guy. And, and Dimmel and, plays into that. Exactly. He's, 100%, he'll yeah. talk like any you spend any time with Dan and Dimmel, he he'll you'll he'll make a joke about his one point five GPA in <laughs> high school right. and like <laughs> you know, just like going and drinking. He was more worried about going and partying at a closer close college to his high school than he mm-hmm. was. Like he was like, I would have gotten to college had I not spent so much time at college when uh-huh. I was in high school. You yep. know? So he it was like, Okay, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Like Dusty Rhodes. Exactly. Maybe Sark actually now that you you mentioned that's that. a yeah. good yeah he's sark was bad. tough sark was let me see i'm trying to think where sark was uh okay yeah so this one i mean let's talk about it you know <laughs> we we legitimately had some conversation about this one yeah because so if, if you haven't seen the article again recommend everybody goes check it out we have blurbs about why we picked them um we went with jeff hardy yeah right and for those of you that don't know wrestling like there is a similarity there that comes when in terms of off the field issues. They're also somebody both in similarly Jeff Hardy and Sark are people that overcame those issues, right? The career trajectory of both, I think, really made this one drove this one drove this one home, right? Because you look at what Jeff you look at Sark's early career, you know, uh, hotshot coordinator, Washington gets the USC job, right? Peak of his career. Yep. Obviously, what happened happened. He struggled with his issues. Came back into coaching. Now is now more or less became like overnight. Remade himself as a different coordinator, one of the best offensive minds in the game. Back on top, right? A, a complete revival, complete 
switch of what where he was. Jeff Hardy similarly. Jeff Hardy wins a title, has issues off the uh, outside the ring, gets suspended, comes back, rehab, boom. All of a sudden, he's back in AEW now. Complete looks completely healthy. All this stuff. He's on the rise. He's on the rise back up. He's having his like twilight of his career now. I thought that was perfect yeah. because you look at somebody like Jeff Hardy and you see people who uh, our age who grew up watching him. You're watching him like nobody else is doing that. You know, he's like jumping off of cages, doing flips, crazy, mm-hmm. you know, putting his body on the line. You're like, no one's wrestling like this guy. And you look at Sark's offenses, you're like, you saw that Alabama team, you're like, no one's doing that. Yeah. Like, how are you using receivers like that, yeah. you know? Going half motion that way and then right. like running back the other way 100%. in a pattern. And, and so, so, like, this was easily. Right. When, 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 when I saw that, I was like, that works More success so much. as, like, a team member yeah, exactly. rather than, like, by himself. Exactly, you know? exactly. And still trying to prove themselves I, as a I solo. I was worried. I, I'm, a, I'm a recovered addict, sure. right? And so, like, I was worried that people would only, you know, like, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you made Sark Jeff Hardy because right. they like to X. drink. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, or used to like to drink or right. whatever. And it's like... Well, I gotta find a few other things sure. to like mm-hmm. tether that sure. to. Or well, like it would have been different like, if we would have went with a wrestler who just had issues. Yeah, right. Just who just out right? Exactly. Like just that. like had that. But right. no, I think I really do think like when you when we dug into the Hardy comparison, it was like, oh no, that like right. it really is like somebody that 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 really does kind of capture his career so far. Uh, do you have a favorite? Because I have a favorite. Yeah, Dana Holgerson, Roddy Piper. Yeah, that's like, a good one. Like I, one. I. I because to me, as a kid, Roddy Piper was my favorite wrestler. Yeah. And he was so underrated because sure. of all the crazy stuff Roddy Piper would do. Like, if you right now ask a wrestler fan their favorite Roddy Piper memory, none of them will be in the ring. Mm, right. They're yes. all yep. outside the or, ring. Yeah. Promos, the Piper's Pit stuff, like yep. stabbing guys in the back, coming into the ring and doing some crazy stuff that mm-hmm. he wasn't supposed to. I feel like Holgerson's the same way. Yeah. Where, like, all of Holgerson's big moments are off the field, like the Red Bull stuff mm-hmm. and the way he gets at officials and the way he acts. But the dude can coach his living tail off. Yeah. You know? And Piper could wrestle his ass off. And so, like, to me, it was like this – like the Piper Holgerson one was what I was going for. Yep. You know, it was like, okay, this is this is what I am trying to do with this article. Now I just need to figure out. <laughs> I want to be as like I want. I even in my notes that I sent you in parentheses, yeah. I put perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were proud of you that were, one. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, like you, I, you know, like other it. ones had like little notes and questions and stuff like that. And I'm like Roddy Piper, perfect. You know? <laughs> so that that one was definitely my favorite one. Yeah, I have. So I had one. And you might be able to guess which one it is. Uh, I have have two, but I have one especially because we came up with it. Well, you saw the epiphany hit my face. Yeah. Okay. So we were trying to figure out Jake Spavadol. And I forgot who we had down for him originally. Um, Oh, I think it was Damian Priest or no, it was a riddle. Riddle. It was riddle. It was riddle. And uh, Austin Theory. I I thought of Austin Theory as well. And I was like, "Eh, that kind of works. Like, you know, kind of a young up-and-coming uh prospect who's getting some good chances but hasn't really hit it so you kind of question like what is the ceiling of him and then like but it never really sat right with me i was like ah, it kind of works whatever and then you said he's laid back dude you laid back dude and i was like yeah orange because we were talking about spavadol because spavadol was the hardest yes originally yes. okay it ended yeah. up not being because Ish had you had such that a great idea yeah right but like for me spav was the hardest because he again like Dimmel, mm-hmm. is not like a wrestler sure right because he's like such a laid-back guy you yeah. know like he just he's just a dude he's a dude's dude right he's just chilling and so wrestlers can't be like that right because they would be bad at wrestling like right. the whole point is to be turned on to like 13 yeah, yeah. spav's not 
and there is one wrestler who like has made a career gimmick. of like being like the slow aloof hands in the pocket yeah. not really you know Karen and it's, guy it's and like, Orange Cassidy and that's Orange Cassidy so if you haven't seen anybody listening to this because I know AEW still you know still growing as a, mm-hmm. as a company so like not everybody's heard a lot of the, some of these wrestlers if you haven't heard of Orange Cassidy go just look up on YouTube just Orange Cassidy moments right you will get it 100% yeah. he is somebody who's in t- like like Craven said his entire persona is the guy who doesn't care, right? His chant, when he comes out, the, the chant the crowd does is literally, he's going to try. Like, like, they start going, he's going to try. Even when he does he's his thumbs try. up, yeah. it's like. it's Yeah, his thumb, his, his whole thing is a thumbs up, but it's like a half thumbs yeah. up. Where it's he like his lifts. thumb's not completely, you know, it's like. Uh, <laughs> and it works because, like, again, he's a, he's a guy who you're like, he is who he is personality-wise, but also you're like, can he be a big-time guy? And you're like, I don't know. I got to see it first, right? Similar with Spavadol, right? And similar to uh, the big thing you mentioned is the strategy, right? He's very unorthodox in the ring. Spavadol, we know the recruiting strategy, right? It's very unorthodox. We don't, we haven't seen something like that, especially in this state. And I don't know. Yeah, when you, when, when I, I don't know. I heard that personality. I was like, that, yeah. that is it. That that's was, good. that's the best. One. It was good to get Orange Cassidy in there. too. Oh, exa- exactly. Yeah. Anytime yeah. you can mention Orange Cassidy, yeah. if you know, you know. Um, uh, yeah, that was one of my favorites. The other favorite that I was happy with that I saw somebody on Twitter kind of uh, was a little confused because again AEW is not as well known. Fair enough, but um, was Jeff Trailer's Hangman Page. Mm. Um, I love that one because again, if you if you're familiar with Hangman Page, not an incredible talker, incredible but an incredible worker, right? And he's not somebody who, and not not to say like Jeff Tra- Jeff Trailer can convince anybody to play anywhere like he's an right. incredible talker that's not what i meant i meant he's not a braggadocious right. type a promo of guy exactly yeah. hangman page can talk with anybody right in the ring but the most the thing he's going to get you to talk or the thing that he's good at talking about is how he's going to kick your butt <laughs> right <laughs> and so right. jeff trailer is good about trying to say hey look we're building something here right yeah. here's what here's what it is he's getting down to business he is a fighting champion right that's jeff trailer i know somebody on twitter was like oh jeff Tra- i've never heard of this guy he's more like stone cold he's nothing like stone cold. <laughs> jeff trailer is nothing like stone cold i'm sorry no offense that's not saying he's not good but yeah. he's nothing like stone cold yeah. personality is somebody yeah. who will cuss you out right. while he's mud stomping you whatever right. that's not jeff trailer <laughs> walk into a room just right. like yeah, yeah exactly. you know, no, like, no 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 like jeff's no, gonna no, walk no. into a room and like take take account of it first right, you know right, what right. i mean like He's assess things I'm yeah gonna get here. Right. Right. What, right. I, what am i doing who do i want to talk to right. who do i not want to talk to yeah there's no wrestler look put it this way there's no coach in the state right now that's like the rock stone cold or triple h right like none of those three are like different stratospheres of personality that nobody in here yeah. like i don't even know in the nation thank goodness like exactly <laughs> can you imagine if we had somebody in triple h Right. That'd be an insult because yeah. Triple H is yeah. such a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> like he's such yeah. a villain. Nick Saban. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pro- maybe. That's probably the only guy. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, the Rock. Can you imagine somebody like The Rock? He'd be in Lane Rochester. Kiffin. Is that The Rock? Oh, my God. He's he The Rock. Oh. That's a good one. That's not bad. I mean, he's not winning enough sure, to be The sure, Rock. Sure. Like, he's not great like a Rock, but like, you can definitely Lane Kiffin. Like, the bear. Like, well, like, well uh, no, you know. Uh, oh. Nobody asked you who your name is, you know? Like, yeah. Lane Kiffin definitely. Oh. You actually, you know who I got for Lane Kiffin? Mm. Jericho. Yeah, Jericho's good. Jericho. Jericho's good. Jericho's good. I, I was I wanted to work Jericho in there somewhere, but yeah. I, I didn't know. Again, I didn't know who would fit that. But uh, yeah, those just some of the names. Again, um, there are some that you might 
be confused at, but some of them that you're like, ah, oh, that works. I think we hit most of them. Mm-hmm. I love. I think Sunny Dykes' Randy Orton is perfect, right? Son of a son of a legend, right? All this kind of stuff. Blaze his own trail now. I think my favorite's Joey McGuire and Ric Flair. Yes. I think just oh, both is- lives of the party, like flamboyant, yes. like just. I think of the, the GIF. I think of the or GIF, GIF, however you pronounce it. GIF. The of Ric Flair, like yeah. the. That's Joey McGuire. Yeah, it's all energy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's all energy. Jet flying. Uh, oh, God, I forgot the whole quote now. But, uh, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that one, that one was a great one, too. Uh, Dave Aranda's Brian Danielson, right? Like, very tactical. I like that one. That's a very, like, if you're into wrestling, you're like, ah, that yeah, works, right. Right? right? He's all X's and O's, technique, very zen, too, yeah. like Daniel Brian Danielson. Different like, than most wrestlers. Exactly, yeah, 100%. Like, that one, that one is another one of my favorites. But – I got to talk about the one that uh, you mentioned, the one that started it all, but let's talk about the, the, the personality that started it all. Jimbo and Saban. Mm-hmm. Jimbo is JBL. Yeah. <laughs> that one is perfect. So J- uh, JBL, basically his whole gimmick was, and I guess it's kind of him as a person too. Like he's kind of just right. evolved into that. Yeah. He's just a stock trader. Yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of his personality. Like rich Texas stock right. trader, yes. oil guy. Yep. And, Boy, is that Jimbo Fisher yeah. and them right now. I'm smarter than you, and I will beat you up. Yeah. And I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody <laughs> if anybody lives that more than Jimbo Fisher. Right. And I don't think it would have really stood out until last week. Right. Like, like it would have been like. Okay, He'd been what, a cowboy Bob Orton right, until last exactly. week. Right, exactly. It's like, who's more of a subtle, you know, yeah. unspoken, underspoken kind of guy with a lot of backing? and a lot. He has a lot of confidence, but not really very braggadocious about it. Last week was like, oh, who pressed my buttons? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, it's, yeah. you, you messed with the wrong one today. And so, yeah, last week really kind of made it where it was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, you're JBL, man. You, you, know, you're, you know you're the baddest dude in the room right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I wanted to go almost with Million Dollar Man there, Ted sure, DiBiase, sure, sure, just, sure. Just, for the funny, yeah. just for the funny aspect of it. But, I, yeah, JBL's whole, like, He's country, yeah. but he's, like, smarter than you and better than you, and, like, you know it, and he knows it. It's yep. kind of like MJF before that, yeah, you know, like that kind of same. And he was, like, Mr. Tough Guy, and, and Jimbo wants to be, you know, all of those things, yep. and you know, and definitely was in the in the Saban fight. So yeah. that one, I was proud of that. But most of them, I think, were pretty good. Oh, there yeah. was, oh, there I, was a, like, Rhett Lashley was tough. Sure, sure, You know, sure. like, there was a couple that were just kind of – Mike Bloomgren at Rice was mm-hmm. tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I was pretty happy with with how it came I out. I think so. If you have, if any coaches listening to this and that are on this list and they're confused about which, right. call us. <laughs> right. we'll, explain we'll explain it. it. We'll explain why it works and why it's actually good. Right? right? We're not we're not here to insult anybody. We'll I think have I you on the show. T- I think I can tell on Lashley. Lashley was confused. He was like, "Are you making fun of me?" Or is this? He's like, "I don't know anything about wrestling, but I thought it was funny." Yeah. You know? I was like, That's coach. That's all. That's need. all I was. That that's exactly what yeah, I was trying Red to do. Red Lashley is Adam Cole. That's a good one. Uh, but yeah, like if anybody's confused about yeah. it, just ask us and we'll explain yeah. it. You know, or to just a quick go- a quick YouTube. Yeah. You know, any yeah. of these guys talking and their personalities, like you'll get it yeah. in a minute if you know any of these coaches' personalities. Yeah. Who? Uh, before we get into the interview, who is your favorite wrestler, like of all time? Oh man. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think growing up, it was Undertaker. Um, as I got older and kind of digested wrestling differently, man, who's yours? While I think about, I have, I have a couple names in mind, but I don't want to. Yeah, name, like, mine's. All of them. I guess mine's Kurt Angle. 
Yeah. Just of all time. I, I mean, Roddy Piper when I was a kid, Kurt Angle and The Rock were kind of okay. Were yeah. kind of my guys. I and especially when Angle was like a bad guy sure. when he was like heel Angle and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and everybody's chanting "You suck, Adam" and right. stuff like that. That, that was, was like, that was my that because he's like the best athlete to ever rest. You know, like he's he was tremendous. So that that was my favorite. But right now it's Adam Cole. Which is what I was mm. telling Lashley. I was like, mm. I gave you my favorite wrestler. So, yeah. you know. I think it might be Angle. I think it might be. Because, like, my favorite Taker matches with Angle uh, back in, like, 06, I think it was. Um, I always liked the match with him and Shawn Michaels at wrestling. I think it might be. Looking at his whole career, I think it might be Angle. Because yeah. he was always. He was funny, too, when he became. When right. He, when, he, when he got to be funny, he was yeah. really funny. Didn't mind being the butt of a joke. Right. All that kind of stuff. I think now it might be, might be Adam Page. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be Hangman Page. So. Did you create that graphic too? No, that was that was a Will Wilkerson joint. Okay, because I was like, that's I don't know how awesome. to. I don't know how to do any graphic. Like, if there's ever a graphic out there, Old it is not made by me. I, I was did like, not. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I did not know that was. Yeah, it but was it's good. good. He did, and I think he formatted it greatly. Yeah. Oh um, yes, for I don't sure. think people in in the world understand how important editors are. Yes. Yeah. To like yeah. the product that gets put in front of you, you know, it's like I turn in coal mm-hmm. you know and then it's like polished into something that's presentable and nice and then i get all the credit you know if you were right like, yeah that was a great article it's like you should have seen the first draft yeah. you know, it was not i love it <sighs> all right mallory what do you know about wrestling do you, do you have a wrestler that you know <laughs> uh, i'm not into it uh i just don't know i mean i've i've followed it a little bit more uh-huh that I've started working here because I've realized that I kind of have to to stay cool <laughs> and to stay hip and keep up. I will up. say, yeah. um. added some, like, before Craven got here, it was mostly just me, sometimes Tepper, and then Powers, you know, when he comes in the office, Powers yeah. is a fan too. But, like, adding Craven added, like, another full-time wrestling fan. So, yeah. like, okay. that's why it's gone. I mean, that's I why wa- it's seemingly Here's a question. Ten. I watch, yeah. like, six hours of wrestling a week. I was about to say. Like, yeah. Raw, yeah. SmackDown. Dynamite Rampage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. like, six or seven hours of wrestling. Now, I, I record it and fast-forward through a lot of it. Sure, sure. Stuff, but right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I love wrestling. I It's, like, so I, I was adopted by my stepdad when I was, like, five years old. He got married to my mom. Mm. And he... Like old school Leander country guy, right? right? And I was none of those right. things as a kid, <laughs> yeah. right? Even as a kid, I I liked the Beastie Boys, you <laughs> right, know. Right. Like I was not, but the things we got. He liked football. He played football at Texas, and he loved professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I could stay up with him, yeah, and watch like watch that Monday Night Raw, right? Yeah. I could break rules mm-hmm. if I was willing to sit there and watch wrestling with him, and that just kind of became a thing that we like bonded over. Yeah, and I think that's when wrestling really solidified in my head, like, oh, this, I like this. Similarly, you know? similarly with my dad, it was always like, okay, well, you know, there's the one night a right. day, not night a week. Yeah, we're up a little bit later right. just because you're right. able to watch wrestling. So, so knowing me, who do you think I would like the best? Hmm. Oh, since man. I can't give you That's an interesting one. Since I can't give you an answer. Uh, who would Mallory's favorite wrestler right uh, now be? No, well, cuz I'm going to look them up and I'll report back next week. <laughs> I think based on a lot of things, Dante Martin. Mm. From AEW. Yeah. I think based on a lot of things, you'll okay. be into Dante Martin. 
Is um, that a good or bad? Good. <laughs> I'm nervous. Very good. Craven's um, laughing pretty hard. <laughs> I don't he's, know. He's a good looking guy. Too. Uh, he's learned Mallory's type. <laughs> oh, God. He's a good looking guy. Uh, but he's also okay. really entertaining to watch. Like, he's okay. one of the, right. in my opinion, one of the uh, up and coming, like, high flyers in AEW. So I genuinely okay. like, I, I don't think he's put on a bad match. So yeah. I would say Dante Martin. That's tough. Like, honestly, okay. I would I would just say none of them. <laughs> like, just to be I, safe. I, like, I definitely, like, you know how some people are like, this is a thing I love, and so like I don't get why anybody else doesn't love it. Sure. I've never been that. Like, no, I've never I been totally, that either. No, I, like, I would get if somebody's like, this is dumb. Yeah, like, <laughs> like yeah, it is. There's great. like a there's like a critical point. Sure. Right? Like you can't like adopt wrestling later right. in life. Like you have to be born in because it is silly. Like yeah. it is right, it right. is kind of weird and silly and kinda of, you know, it has its own and if you don't like grow up around it or like like it for years it's like very hokey and like right. yeah you just like but like when you have like you just like suspend reality for it if you mm-hmm. have been into it i feel like that's how baseball is you know <laughs> Ooh, that's that's a good that's a good point. i i did not grow up as a baseball family my dad doesn't watch it my brother didn't play it we grew up solely as a football and basketball family so that's yeah. i think that's why i'm so you know I, that's why i love football and baseball or basketball sure. the most did yep. not grow up watching baseball. And it I is crazy how much like just like we're just products of like what the people around us like. Right. You right. Know, we all see ourselves as like these beacons of individuality, right? It's like, no, and it's like, like you're really just, yeah. you're really yeah. just whatever the sum of <laughs> the people yeah. that you were around the most enjoyed. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, with that said, we will get into our interview now. By the way, David Bailiff, what's his comparison? What do you think? Ooh. Oh, man. You know, honestly, he'd be another like Dusty Rhodes type yeah. of guy. Yep. You know, um, yeah. I was that, trying to think like, of like Dana a good old boy back in the day. Right. It's like Dusty right. Rhodes is kind of like the right. hacksaw Jim Jim Duggan. Ooh, that's not a bad one. You know that. You know why? You, you know why that works? Because like up until like five years ago, hacksaw Jim Duggan was still wrestling. Right. <laughs> so like, right. I think like and in my the interview, mom, my mom would come in. He's like, "Is he still wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> is that the same two by four? Right. Yeah. Uh, so I got termites on it and stuff." Uh, yeah, David Bailiff in the interview coincidentally was like, "I'm coaching till I can't remember my name anymore." Like he said that. Sounds like yeah. Jim like, yeah. So definitely a definitely a lifer. Yeah. You know, like definitely definitely somebody who would have been around his whole life and like would stay on in the background somewhere mm-hmm. behind the scenes, even like Gorilla Monsoon or something like that. You yep. know, like something like that. But yep. uh, Jim Jim Ross. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. So, and uh, he gave us a queso recipe. Ooh. Laid out the entire oh my God, recipe. Walk, walked us through a smoked queso recipe. So, gave us the amounts and everything. Amounts. Well, yeah. you're welcome, listeners. So. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> we will get into our interview now. Here is Texas A&M Commerce head coach David Bailiff. Here with Coach David Bailiff, Texas A&M Commerce coach. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Um, you were an offensive lineman uh, at Texas State. I was curious, kind of, you know, what was the the sales pitch? What was the recruiting pitch for you to kind of get down to San Marcos? You know, my sister was there. It was 50 miles from home. And I actually was a tight end for three years. And then at the they moved me to guard my last year after knee surgery. But I also, we were running the split back beer with Jim Wacker. So I, I finally, years later, figured out I was just an outside tackle. I was either blocking down or I was blocking out. They threw me the ball once a game to keep me from quitting. Um, but I had a I had a blast. Had great coaches there. Really enjoyed my time and and really just close to home. Um, you know, and that was uh, something that was important to me. 
you, know, you were a team captain by the time you got out of there. Like, where does that rank in terms of just like your your all time accomplishments or things you're most proud of? You know, I, really, to be honest, the thing I'm most proud of is when I graduated. Everybody, everybody graduated that wanted to. There, there wasn't all this help. You know, you had to have your own catalog. You had to figure out your own classes. You had to run up and down the stairs at the library <laughs> to get stickers. You know, things have really changed. Um, you know, the, there was no study halls. There was just uh, have enough discipline to graduate or you're going to flunk out. So really proud that I'm a college grad. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's – and really my other – greatest accomplishment are my children i mean my my kids were my hobbies my whole life when you're a coach you're really busy so i tried to include them as much as i could in everything i did then then they outgrew me so now i don't have any hobbies <laughs> you know you were there when it was southwest texas my mom is a southwest texas grad and still calls it that i'm curious like what's your percentage of times you call it texas state versus southwest texas well when when denise trout hired me to be the head coach there I was under orders not to call it Southwest Texas. Uh, I was, you know, if I said it, I was supposed to write it on the chalkboard a hundred times, Texas state, <laughs> Texas state. And, you know, my dad uh, really said he went to, to work for humble and it ended up Exxon and just to get over it and move on, you know, it was better for the future. And it truly is, you know, the people there, you see Texas state t-shirts everywhere you go. Uh, I think, you know, every year we, another year moves away from it. You know, at one point it was Southwest Texas Normal School. Right. You know, I think change is good. I, I, I like the change. You know, I, when I initially took that job and I'd say I'm David Bailiff, the new head coach at Texas State, it's just located Southwest Austin. Um, you know, they told me to cut it out. And uh, so I did. <laughs> but that was, a, that was a blast there. You know, it's my first time being a head coach. And uh, I was a defense coordinator at TCU prior to that with Gary Patterson. And uh, just I've just had a lot of fun. You know, I've always been happy where my feet are um, and just got into this to win and have fun and take care of uh, young people. And I think I've done a great job of it. Yeah, I love asking coaches kind of like what was the one or two things you learned that first year as a head coach that you just had no idea of that responsibility or that challenge that was going to come with it? Well, you know, really, no, nobody's ready. I, I figured this out. Nobody's ready to be a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator until you're one. And then you've got to learn things that you didn't realize you need to learn. And same as being a head coach. You know, there are so many decisions to make daily that have nothing to do with football. You know, it's a, a total package job. And that first year, I'd equate it to my first year of being a history teacher in high school. You know, you you just think you're ready, but you're, you're really, you're not. And uh, you just got to keep learning every day. And I had great coaches to learn from moving up through the system. You know, my first job, I was at New Braunfels High School with Jim Streety. Uh, we were the winningest uh, high school in the state of Texas uh, that year. And then I tell you what I did. I made the big, this is the biggest lesson I learned early. Um, I was a high school coach for three years. I was a unicorn. And our motto was don't play leapfrog with the unicorns. It was a very <laughs> savage beast. But all my buddies that got business degrees were driving around these fancy tornadoes. And I was driving in an old pickup truck, leaving it, living in a beat up mobile home. And I just had to have one of those cars. And so I got out of coaching, doubled my salary, bought me a tornado 
and after about six months thought what have i done i hate not being a coach and then it took me two more years to get where i wasn't upside down on that note <laughs> to get rid of the car and then i went back and g8ed at southwest texas so i learned early you better do what you enjoy doing and, and be happy going to work every day I was going to ask you about that New Bronzeville stint when you were a history teacher. Kind of what is David Bailiff's kind of like favorite period of history? You know, really the, the Texas history, hmm. the Alamo, the 1800s, how Texas was formed. I think it's the, it's incredible. Uh, you know, and, and I can tell you, our family's been here since the late 1800s. And, uh, you know, it's a state I take great pride in and love being a Texan, love being called a Texan. Uh, I was actually at the University of New Mexico when m my wife and I were expecting twins, and we left there to get back to Texas so my kids could be born in Texas. <laughs> Just that important to me. I was going to ask you that as well. Like, you know, for most of your career, you've been in Texas outside of that New Mexico stint. How weird was that for you to kind of be outside of the borders for those couple of years? Well, you know what? When you get into this and you're young and you think you're going to see the world, right? I'm mm -hmm. ready to go to New York City. I'm ready to go to California. And then other than other than New Mexico, it's been different counties in Texas. And that was, wasn't by design, but it actually was a blessing. You know, I, I got to see my parents for an extended period of time, and my sister and brother enjoyed a lot of the games. Um, and had I really left the state, and I was ready to, but I just never had a job offer uh, out of the borders, you know, and uh, – you know, I'm I'm really proud that I've been a FBS coach in Texas, a FCS coach, and a, a Division II coach in Texas. And you know, we've we've had a 10 win season everywhere we've been at all the different levels. You know, I have I have fun. I I've done this. I'm not going to do anything else. This is what I want to do. And I, I told my coaches in the last staff meeting, I will never stop doing this until I can't remember my name. Then I need y'all to say coach it's time to go because i'm as excited about what i do now as i was when i started um uh, i just i love the profession i love being around people i love helping people i love winning i love recruiting there's nothing about this job i don't like yeah, you mentioned kind of the different levels of football you've coached at pretty much every single level of, of college football in the state is there one that's more challenging or presents more you know, problems or headaches maybe than other divisions or are kind of each division kind of the same as, as the other ones? Yeah, I think every division is, is you know, you, you, you've got to win. you got to graduate your students. And it doesn't matter where you are. I think the most challenging at a division two is just, you know, trying to figure out those 36 scholarships and how to stack the aid. Uh, whereas division one, it was easy. Everybody got a full. You know, and so now you're looking for academic age. You're looking if their parents were military. You know, you're looking for any scholarship that are available out there to make those 36 scholarships go further. You were a GA, you know, when you kind of came back to the college level uh, at Texas State. What's the difference between being a GA back then and maybe what GAs are asked to do now, if there is any difference? Yeah, there's a lot of difference. Because back then, when you were a GA, everything was still 16-millimeter film, right? Mm. And so you had to drive to an alley in Austin to get your, your film processed. And you got two copies, and then you had to go to the airport and fly your film to who you were going to play. And then you had to drive back to San Marcos, and all the full-time guys were there abusing you, wanting to know what took so long. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, just how it was. And then at the end of the year, when you made your cutups, you had little splicing machines. And so, like, if you had 46 veer, you had to find every 46 veer, and you'd cut it out, and you'd hang it on the wall under 46 veer, 47 veer, 44, 42. And then you had to splice all those together to recreate that film. And you had to put your initials on your splice. So if it came apart, the head coach knew who did the bad splice. So it's, it's come a long way now where we can just make, make cutups by hitting a button. Yeah, that's wild. That's absolutely wild. Um, you know, you you mentioned earlier that you were a defensive coordinator for Gary Patterson, who's you know known as kind of this defensive guru over those last 20, 30 years. Like, what was that like? How much pressure is it to coach the position or to coach the unit? You know that the head coach is kind of known for uh, doing well. Well, you know what? I learned a lot of a lot a lot of football from Gary Patterson. Uh, you know, he was really gifted defensively, um, and. I had the title of defensive coordinator with him, but normally I only got to make a call when he was chewing somebody's tail. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's four or five times a game. I look over and think, oh, I better get a call in. But, you know, you learn so much from him and, uh, you know, just program ideas. You know, you learn from everybody you work for. You know, you learn some good things. You say, if I'm ever a head coach, this is what I'm going to do. And if I, I'm ever a head coach, I'm not going to do this. And, Probably one of the best things that ever happened to me um, as I moved up the ranks was I had older mentors I could pick up the phone and talk to. Mm. So Mac Brown became an, an amazing counsel for me. Same with Spike Dykes. You know, I could call those guys anytime I wanted and, and ask them questions and, you know, see what they thought. And, you know, it's like when I was at, at Rice and we were playing, we were in Nashville, the hurricane was hitting Houston, and I couldn't get home. You know, I knew Mac had been through a hurricane, you know, and, you know, called him and said, tell me what you told your team, you know. And, um, you know, he said, just let them know we're going to be okay. And, you know, when you go through those hurricanes, that's tough now because uh, you lose cell service and your kids can't, you know, get a hold of their families and, um, but I, I learned a lot from those guys. You know, if I, if I could give advice to any young coaches, it would be to to make a couple older guys your mentor. You know, and and they won't let you make the same mistakes they made. Oh, absolutely for sure. I, I like you. I'm a lifelong Texan, so I don't know too much about those hurricanes. Well, that when you live in Houston, you better you figure out. That. I know I didn't know anything about them either until I moved to Houston and, and went through a couple. And Harvey, you know, Harvey was yeah. a disaster. We were playing in Australia and couldn't get home. And Harvey's hitting Houston, you know, and, and the hard part on those players is they really don't want to be there when they know their town's being destroyed. Uh, you know, they're worried about their families. They want to get home. Yep. Because uh, Harvey came out of nowhere, you know, and I had, we had coaches whose wives were in shelters and mine was stuck upstairs uh, on the second floor. You know, and uh, so you learn a lot about overcoming adversity when you're coaching in Houston. Not, you know, what Mother Nature throws at you. Right, right. I, I want to talk about your Rice tenure for a while because, to me, you look at it and it just looks unbelievable, right? Rice winning 10 games, winning a conference championship. Like, what are some of the hurdles at Rice that maybe people don't kind of really recognize from the outside that you know don't apply to a Texas or an A&M or even a North Texas UTSA? Yeah, the hard part there is you you have your 85 scholarships, 
but admissions, if you were never a Rice student out of high school, you're never admissible to Rice. Right. So if you go to it, there's not very many junior colleges that, you know, the guys had 1,100 SATs or top 10%, you know, they don't go to JCs. And so if anybody gets hurt, you're always you're going to a freshman. So you can never really balance your scholarship numbers. So like we had two big classes followed by two small classes. And you can never say, well, in this class, I'm going to take six JCs and balance it out. You just wobble almost the whole time you're there. Uh, and there's really no way to fix it. I'm not sure where it is now, but that's how it was uh, when I was there. So the years we won 10, nobody got hurt. Yeah, okay. you know, the years we didn't do very good, uh, you know, we had a lot of injuries. And then you can't repair it at semester. Do you like those kind of challenging jobs? You know what I mean? Kind of a, a fixer-upper may be the wrong word, but, you know, some jobs that, you know, aren't ready made to, to go in there and win or, or those, does that kind of appeal to you a little bit more? You know, it doesn't matter. It was just, you know, I was, at, I was a defensive coordinator at TCU and like I said, I've been happier where my feet are, right? Um, and I'm at TCU and Texas State calls me <laughs> and I'm a graduate from there and you know, and they said, coach, you're, you're plan A and we don't have a plan B. Your university needs you. And so I, I went back, and we won the first conference title there in 26 years. And then Chris Delcani calls me at, at, at Rice and says, hey, we want to talk to you. And, you know, then I'm off to Rice. Um, that's just how the jobs presented themselves to me. And, I, you know, and I, I, I could have had some interviews. It was just a little too cold where they wanted me to go. <laughs> I just didn't want to do it. That's when I finally, my agent said, where will you go? I said, I'm not going to go anywhere. I got to wear a big coat or chicken fried steaks, not on the menu. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad, that's not, I'm going to add that to my resume. That's not a bad life <laughs> lesson to learn right there. I don't want to be cold and I want to be able to eat chicken fried steak. That's right. It's like when Sonny went to Cal, you know, I was thinking, Sonny, they're just going to make fun of your accent. <laughs> uh, he's done really well too. I'm really proud of, proud of what Sonny's accomplished. Yeah, I, I've always messed with him about, like, going from Ruston to Cal Berkeley has to be one of the bigger cultural changes that you could possibly have. You know they laughed at his boots. They just had to. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad he bounced back strong because he's just like his daddy. How fun is it to kind of watch some of these young guys? You know, you kind of mentioned being a, having older mentors, but now watching some of the young guys that you've known, you know, practically their whole lives, like Cliff Kingsbury, Sonny Dykes, Tom Herman, like goes the guys like that. Like, how fun is it to watch their success? You know, what's really crazy about Cliff Kingsbury. I was on staff at New Braunfels with his dad. Yep. So Cliff was like one or two years old. I don't remember. I remember he is still in diapers. And, and Tim and Sally were having a hard, hard time finding a babysitter. And so as the young coach on the staff, his duties is assigned. And so I went over and watched Clinton Cliff one night. Uh, you know, when, like I said, he was one or two years old. Tom, you know, extremely proud of Tom. You know, he was, uh, they had done well at Sam Houston, and all of a sudden, you know, the head coach sits back, quits, and he or resigned, retires, excuse me, and Tom can't find a job. And what was really crazy about that is I thought I had hired Major Applewhite at Texas State. And it lasted a day because Syracuse offered him right. a lot more treasure chest than I was. <laughs> uh, so I lost him, and Craig Nymore kept 
getting on my desk saying, interview Tom Herman, interview Tom Herman. And so I interviewed Tom and loved him. And, you know, we went to, from Texas State to Rice together. And then he went on to, you know, do great things at, at Houston and Ohio State. And, and uh, anyway, so, you know, at one point there I had Tom Herman was the head coach of Texas and David Beatty was my OC at Rice and he was the head coach of Kansas. Um, so, I, you know, you proud of them. You know, you know, I lost five coaches this year here. Yeah. Uh, but I lost them to the Buffalo Bills, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, La Tech. <clears throat> and you're proud of these young guys moving on, you know, and when it's those kind of jobs, you just look at them and say, let me help you pack because I'm not naive enough to think they're going to ride with me the rest of my life, you know? And so you, you try to help them. My job now is to make these coaches dreams, help their dreams come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I try to do that every day on, uh, you know, doing different things and showing them uh, different things. I think they need to be a head coach. When's the last time you went to a movie theater and watched a movie? Uh, two years ago, I went and watched the 12 mighty orphans. Okay. Okay. Uh, only because I had read the book. I liked the book a lot better than the movie. But the movie was still entertaining. What about before that? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I only ask I only ask because like I've never met a college football coach who like goes to the movie. I feel like y'all are just too busy. It's just one of the things that y'all lose. I couldn't tell you before that, but I will tell you I'm going to go see Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I want to see that one in a movie theater, but I don't go. I just not a movie guy. Uh, I guess I couldn't tell you when other than 12 mighty orphans. <laughs> what, uh, when you're not, when you're not coaching, I mean, you kind of mentioned it earlier now that your kids are a little bit grown, you don't have as many hobbies, but you know, what are some of the things that you try to do outside of football, outside of coaching, you kind of relax? <laughs> well, you know what? I am working on the, the, world's best smoked queso recipe right now ah okay Uh, yeah i'm tinkering with that you know i don't golf i don't fish i don't bowl uh really my children my my daughter and two sons they were my hobbies and so now i guess i'm a connoisseur of the smoked meat when i'm not coaching you know i'm tampering with my smoker what makes for a good smoked queso like where are you at in the process right now well i can tell you i get a big turkey roaster Ah. I get two logs of Velveeta cheese, one original, one white. Uh, chop them all up. Chop up three uh, tomatoes. Chop up two sweet Vidalia onions. De-seed four jalapenos, five strips of bacon, half pound of chorizo. Uh, smoke it on, about, I go about 210 until it where it's just really creamy. It may take you about an hour and a half. And... Uh, and dig in, you know, it's a, uh, it's pretty good stuff. I'm glad I have this recorded because now I've just stolen your queso recipe. <laughs> <laughs> and when, when I'm around the HEB, I'm happy using Whataburger breakfast sausage. Yeah, it was nice to have. I, I've moved from Austin to Dallas pretty recently. And the thing I miss the most is HEB. Yeah. And I think you're going to get one in McKinney pretty quick. Yep. Yep. I'm counting, yeah, down, the, counting down the days. And you, yeah, in Houston, I had one right at the start of my neighborhood. It's uh, hard to be. And I think well, what all my coaches that came with me from Rice missed the most. Yeah, it's def- I mean, like people ask me, and they, they like assume I'm going to say family, but the first thing I say is HEB. Well, when it, what's crazy when I send my uh, coaches recruiting, 
I give them my HEB list uh, that they transport back at the end of recruiting. <laughs> so I, I can load my refrigerator with the Whataburger sausage or the prime New York strips or, you know, but uh, so I, I still have scouts that go there and get it, get it for me when they come home. It's good to be the boss. <laughs> well, you know what? It's just, uh, if I'm not going there, it's just easy, you know, to, to say, and then my sister lived in Austin. So when she'd come visit, she'd bring, uh, different HEB items. She'd always call and say, "What do you want?" <laughs> so I, I still have my HEB connections. <laughs> Those are hard to give up. And so uh, one one more question before I let you go. Uh, as a barbecue guy, like you go to a barbecue restaurant or you know a smokehouse or whatever, what's your order? What's David Bailiff's like? A typical barbecue order. I want to I want to try their brisket, moist, and I want to try their ribs, and that tells me everything you need to know. If I'm ever going back, are you a sides guy? I'm I'm notoriously anti sides. I just feel like they kind of take nope. up too much stomach space. Nope, I'm not a sides guy. I am a I'm a caveman meat guy when I go to a barbecue spot. Good man, good man. All righty, sir. We really appreciate the time. Thanks for toughing it out. I know you're kind of at the end of the COVID uh, quarantine, like you said. Good luck with that, and uh, yeah, have fun when you're kind of released into the. What are you gonna do like yeah. when that when that two days is up? What's the first thing you're gonna do? Well, we, we like I have a, a, a camp today in Dallas that I can't attend. Mm. Uh, so the first thing I'm going to do, my guys have been on the road for a month recruiting. And so we finally came off the road. So I'm looking forward to getting out of this house and just sitting uh, in a staff meeting, you know, where we can talk about the recruits and what they've they found. My, my, my uh, this came at an inopportune time where I had camps and they were just coming off the road and I was the most cautious dude trying not to get this stuff. I, I actually, I had an outdoor office on a picnic table uh, when the building was full, you know, I did everything I could, uh, got my vaccines, did everything. I got it anyway. So I'm just glad to be on the other end of it and hopefully I don't, don't want to catch it again. Yeah, uh, I've had I had it once as well during the whole thing, and it was uh, it was not fun. It was weird. Did you lose taste and stuff like that? I thought that was the weirdest part. I'd never lost taste before. I, you know what? I did briefly, and then it came right back. So I was really lucky. Yeah, that's good. It's just a weird because I got I, my former offensive line coach. So I'll tell you this before we leave. He he was giving himself the he didn't have a COVID test at home, but he thought he lost his sense of smell, and so he went to his. Uh, spice cabinet and thought what in here would i should be able to smell and it was a red pepper and he said he snorted and didn't think he snorted hard enough so he snorted again he said he didn't smell it but it burned all his nose and his eyes were watering that so so i didn't do anything that crazy but i tell you what i love what i do i love having fun i appreciate spending time with you really you know when you're in isolation you, you look forward to talking to the outside world you know, I think we cut out earlier, uh, but one of my favorite stories from doing this Dave Campbell's magazine is when you were the head coach at Rice, I had to talk to you one time, and you had just had knee surgery, and you weren't taking prescription pain pills for it because you'd had some players that struggled with pain pills. I, I've always remembered that and just thought that was like the toughest thing I've ever heard of. Well, I'm not sure if that was smart. Do you know, I'll tell you, back when at my age, when they took, when they went into your knee, they would go ahead and take your meniscus out because they said they were like tonsils and you didn't need them. Ugh. 
uh, and then you had about 50 and go, Ooh, I kind of needed those things. Uh, so I, I've had them both replaced now. I'm glad I did. Uh, and any, anyway, I just, yeah, it was hard to do, but I just, you know, you see too many people have problems on those things. A hundred percent. Absolutely. hundred percent. All right, coach. Well, we really appreciate the time and, uh, yep. Yeah, get better and, uh, enjoy that staff meeting when you're allowed out of the house. In two days, I'll be in a three-point stance, ready to get out of the house. <laughs> All, right. All right, Coach. We appreciate it. Good luck this season. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to David Bailiff for coming on and talking with us. Again, one of our all-time favorite personalities. Uh, he always used, usually tries to swing by around coaching school, so hopefully we'll see him again this summer when we're out there in San Antonio. Uh, that'll do it for us. You know, like, like I said, a light week, nothing crazy going on. We just talked wrestling for about 30 minutes, which I have no issues with at all. Uh, but again, thanks again to Texas A&M Commerce for setting that interview up with us with Coach Bailiff. Uh, we'll see how much longer we'll get those interviews, uh, interview series going because eventually we got to start doing previews, which that's going to be weird looking into the season already, but uh, probably going to be – a welcome sight, you know, now that we're done with the offseason or winding down with the offseason, rather. I'll probably start that around mid-June. We'll, you know, we'll give you guys a heads up when that'll be kicking off. But, uh, yeah, without further ado, that'll uh, we'll just end it there. Uh, Mike Craven, Mallory Hartley, I'm Ishmael Johnson. Please remember to like, subscribe, rate all of us on uh, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. Like I said, we do look at the numbers every week, so it looks good if we're uh hopefully passing tft sometime soon so <laughs> we can eventually they're within striking distance they're like within 100 right maybe maybe yeah. just over 100 it feels yeah. like yeah, yeah. They're, we, they're within we yeah. can do it we yeah. can do it yeah so if we can do that against a podcast that comes out daily i'll get mel tucker on the show that's good cool. yeah, <laughs> if that be, happens if we pass over. tft i'm getting <laughs> mel tucker on State the show <laughs> <laughs> to appeal to the look, one look, listener look, my dad if a weekly <laughs> if a weekly or twice a week show can pass up the daily flagship show of this company we will not let them live that down. Yeah. And yeah. it will be because of you listeners who spread the word and get the subscriber base out. So without, uh, with that being said, have a good week. We'll see you guys again. Go vote.